Welcome back to episode 139 of the Guardian Project Podcast. I'm your host, Andy, and while I don't have any proof, I'm pretty sure that the creature in magic that eats the most peanut butter is Magus of the Jar. Oh, that's really clever. I like that a lot. (laughs) And I'm your other host, Mike. And lately, there's been a lot of buzz going around about the potential banning of a certain two-mana goblin pirate. Turns out it was all blown out of proportionist. Dockside extortionist. (laughs) Please listen carefully. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering. But mostly Commander. So let's go ahead and just uh, start out with that first topic there. We had the uh, announcement come out this week um, from the uh, Commander Rules Committee, so the February 2022 update, and the announcement is that there are no rules changes and no card bannings or unbannings. So the announcement says, it's a new year and Commander continues to grow in every context, more players, more games, more content, more cards. All of these things are good, but each comes with its challenges. Each applies pressure to the format and to play groups in various ways. And while they will have some articles coming out this season talking about how you can recognize the stress fractures in your group, um, you know, they decided not to make any changes. So there are several cards which are very popular topics of discussion. Uh, cards like Turgrid, God of Fright, Dockside Extortionist, and Thassa's Oracle, but none of them have reached problematic levels of play in their target demographic, which are games governed by a social contract. The rules committee feels that all of them can be handled via discussion among players before a game, and that it's not too difficult to draw a line between reasonable and unreasonable uses. For groups where no social contract exists, however, this is more challenging, but building trust via communication continues to be the best tool for players um, to create enjoyable games. Um, so we did not see Dockside Extortionist. Um, I saw a lot of uh, discussion online about Old Gnawbone that people would like to see yeah, that go. That's maybe interesting. That's really, yeah, I mean, maybe it's related to somebody who got, you know, destroyed by an Old Gnawbone deck. Sure. Were, apparently it appeared recently on a very popular um, mm-hmm. YouTube channel. So maybe that's it as well. Um, so there was no banning of Thassa's Oracle, which people have been talking about for a long time. Dockside Extortionist, also still here. Um I'm not upset. Um, I haven't uh, seen any particularly egregious uses of those cards. Um, I also am one of those problematic people that play Thassa's Oracle as a win con for my CEDH deck. So I'd like to change it up anyway, um, but I can certainly see how people might be getting bored of it. But I'm not sure bored losing a certain way is a reason that I'd want to ban it. But, um, you know, I only play in the certain groups and channels that I play with. um, So I am certainly not... Uh, the expert on all, uh, you know, experiences playing mm-hmm. against those cards. Yeah, I mean, even in our play group, it almost feels like the same way when I used to try to win the game with Torment of Hailfire or Exsanguinate every single game that I played. It's like, it's it's not the card that's the problem. Just find a new way to win. Go build a different deck or something. <laughs> and this is true. And, you know, we maybe we expand on that for just a minute. We I think we talked about this on the show before. And it probably has been, it's been a really long time. But, you know, mm-hmm. at one point, you played a mono black deck with Sidisi Undead Vizier, which is yep. essentially a, a tutor in the command zone. You would sack Sidisi to itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way that Mike played it for a long time was you, you grabbed Urborg and Cabal Coffers if you didn't have them, and mm-hmm. then you won with a Torment of Hailfire. And while it's great, to win that way, mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was every every time you played, there yep. was no other card you really tutored for. Nope. Uh, and, and so we finally, as a group, said, 
dude, you got to be done with this or we're going to have to just start playing against tutors. Like, yep. I, I don't know what else to do. And you immediately said, yep, yep, nope, I get it. But we let you do your your thing for like six months. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was it was towards the beginning of when we really started playing Commander yes. together. I only had a few decks and uh, yeah. So everyone let me do my thing for a while. I learned from it. And uh, yeah, now- And we haven't seen Sidisi in years. Uh, we'll bring it back someday. One of these One day. days. <laughs> All right. Also, we have uh, some changes to the list happening here in Kamigawa uh, Neon Dynasty. Some very cool cards being added. Um, notable like Anointed Procession where you get to, uh, it's, a, it's a token doubler in, on a white enchantment for four. Um, Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker is getting a reprint, which is really cool if you want to combo off with like your Zealous Conscripts uh, type of deal, or if you want to just play a fair Kiki Jiki. I'm sure there's ways to do that too. Um, Sensei's Divining Top is also being printed here, and it's like, oh, that was only an uncommon, but back in the Kamigawa days, it's been reprinted, I think, one time in, in a Modern master set. So it's actually uh, pretty substantial to see this reprinted in set boosters uh, on the list. So very cool to see some of these cards. There are going to be uh, obviously a bunch more ads and subtracts. And if you want to look at those, they'll be in the show notes. Yes. Um, we also have a note to editor. Um, the uh, full Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, including the commander decks, have been uh, fully previewed at this point. Um, but just to note, um, the commander decks for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty have um, a note that there is actually a, a card that was printed two times by mistake. So the Upgrades Unleashed deck, which is the red-green deck themed after the modified mechanics. So we're going to cover that today. Um, the announcement says the deck was inadvertently printed with two copies of Moss Fire Valley instead of an additional basic. Players wanting to play this deck in Commander should swap out that copy of Moss Fire Valley for a basic land of their choice. Honestly, what I would like to see and, and what I want to talk to one of our LGSs about because they're very good about things like this is when they sell that deck, they just make sure they ask if somebody wants a mountain or a, or a forest. Mm -hmm. um, not that people don't have just mountains and forests sitting around, but someone who doesn't crack packs and right. perhaps only buys singles and pre-cons would, I guess, possibly not have one. Mm -hmm. And the number of, of um, basics I see just tossed in garbage cans and recycling bins or just laying around is yeah. just innumerable. So um, maybe that that's how I could see it being handled. You know, if you're selling it at an LGS, just, just hand someone a forest and a mountain. Pick the one you want. Yeah, offer them a really good deal on that taiga that's been sitting in the case. Maybe it's that's the It's a forest land. and a mountain. There you go. Um, <laughs> Also, if you are a patron and you uh, achieved one of our patron tiers of getting either tokens or one of our Guardian Project proxies, just know those have been shipped. They're in the mail. You should be expecting them soon. Yes. And if you want to support us, you can head to patreon.com slash guardian project pod and donate for any dollar amount. And if you're looking for another way to support the podcast, whatever platform you are enjoying the podcast on now, if you could subscribe, rate, review and leave comments, we would be most appreciative. And you can find us online at the guardian project podcast.com. We stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash guardian project podcast. Our social media on Twitter is at guardian pod and on Instagram at guardian project podcast. You can find all of our gameplay videos at youtube.com slash the guardian project. And you can email us at guardian projectpod at gmail.com also quick note thank you to everybody who has stopped by and followed we did hit twitch affiliate on our new account Ooh. this week so we're super excited our first stream that um we're going uh, i guess i got our next stream that we have will be uh officially twitch affiliate again so we're gonna have some awesome emotes um to to add to our account Coil, what are we talking about this week? It's one of our favorite episodes to do. Now that Kamigawa Neon Dynasty has been fully previewed, 
we are going to go through the core set and we are going to look at some cards uh, that we're going to be adding to our current commander decks. We're going to look at a little bit of a uh, review of some of our favorite commanders and all the new tools that those commanders are getting. And we're going to talk about some brand new decks that we want to build. Uh, oh, I'm just going to scooch past you into the segue. So Kamigawa Neon Dynasty comes with some new mechanics and some returning mechanics, which is uh, really nice to see. There were a, a lot of folks that were hoping to see the return of some things that we are getting back. Um, the first thing is Ninjutsu is returning the uh, ninja mechanic to uh, put a creature into play um, in exchange for another creature that wasn't blocked. So that's very exciting. And also enchantment creatures are returning. We saw these uh, during the original Theros block and again during Theros Beyond Death, but now we are seeing them on the uh, flip side of some sagas. Yeah, so really cool um, to see the sagas transforming into creatures this time around, uh, a ton of them. It's not just like two or three cards. We have a lot. Um, the mechanic channel is also returning with this set. Uh, channel is like a it's a it's an alternate. It's not even a casting cost. It's an activated activatable ability. Um, we're actually getting 23 brand new cards with channel from this set, uh, and some of them are quite good. A mechanic I didn't know that I wanted to come back so bad. A, a, a mechanic I've never played with. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's nice to see. Modified is a new keyword uh, or a new term that refers to creatures that are equipped, enchanted, or have counters of any kind on them. Um, cards with modified give, um, you know, abilities to creatures that are modified. So that's, that's pretty cool. And reconfigure is a new mechanic that allows artifact creatures that are also equipment to attach themselves to other creatures. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, cool way. Uh, I think the last time we saw something like a living equipment, it was it was germs, like living weapons type of thing. So cool way that, to do it this time with that new mechanic. We also see completed as a new keyword to describe Phyrexian Planeswalker. So we're Rip. seeing. Rip <laughs> are uh, a love a lovely Planeswalker. Um, Tamio has become. Um, completed. I consider it re-life, you know, not R.I.P. It's it's actually it's not R.I.P. at all, right? She's not resting at all. <laughs> She's, yeah. <laughs> um, it's 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 a it's it's a very cool card. Yes. Um, and I I am I'm happy to see it and that the planeswalker isn't gone entirely. At least they're still here. Yeah, and it's the first time that we see um Phyrexian hybrid mana. So not just Phyrexian mana, but a hybrid pip that is also Phyrexian in Cameo's casting cost. Yeah, yeah. Completed says um, the Phyrexian hybrid mana can be pa paid with either green or blue mana or two life. And if you paid life this way, the Planeswalker enters the battlefield with two fewer loyalty counters on them. So Tamio can enter with five if you actually pay the full five mana or enters with three if you pay four mana and two life. Mm. And it appears completed is specifically for Planeswalkers. So I would assume some of our friends will be completed in the next few sets. I can't wait, personally. I I just don't touch Kiora. Like Kiora, I and I think Kiora's safe because Kiora is another Simic commander. Mm -hmm. So I don't I assume they're not going to do Tamio and then Kiora. But I assume we'll probably get one of each color. It's it's possible. That's my assumption. That's my assumption. We we know in the storyline that there's some planeswalkers that are immune to the corruption of Phyrexian oil. Um 
but that's that's it's only a couple that we know of uh, and there's and no I believe they're already on Mirrodin or yeah. New Phyrexia or whatever so. yeah but then there, and there's no reason to believe that wizards could just go back and say yeah they thought they were immune but then you know you never know what happened narrator <laughs> but they were wrong <laughs> um, <laughs> and also vehicles are returning yeah it's and and they're returning really good too. These are like good vehicles. I could maybe I could build my Odric deck again, Andy, with some good with some good vehicles in there. This it's time. a it's a Jeep thing. Oh yeah, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about cards that came out that we plan on putting into decks that we currently play. Um, and if we don't have it for a specific deck, um, just a card that we really, really like. Um, I'm going to start out with Colossal Sky Turtle. So this is a 6-5 enchantment creature turtle. It has flying and ward 2, and it costs 4 green, green, and blue. So 7 mana for a 6-5 flying ward 2. I mean, it's not horrible. There's probably way better things you can do. Sure. But it has two different channel abilities. So you can channel for a green and two colorless to discard Colossal Sky Turtle to return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So that's a that's a regrowth. Mm-hmm. Or you can channel for one and a blue to discard Colossal Sky Turtle to return target creature to its owner's hand, like Drown in Shapelessness or any kind of like an unsummoned type card for for two blue. Um, I honestly, I I like to run regrowth and 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 um unsummon type effects in my decks anyway just because mm-hmm. i think they're very good cards you know bounce a creature back that is is equipped or enchanted with something that's crazy or a commander that has been significantly buffed and i need to you know fog some combat damage this is a very strong card that oh, yeah. i'm modal card that if if nothing else you need a six five flying ward two turtle <laughs> Yeah, and especially if you're playing this in a shell like like a Saltai Reanimator shell or something, you can get a spell by discarding. You get a quote unquote spell. We know it's an activated ability, right? Um, by discarding it, and then you can reanimate it later, and you still get the six five flyer with Ward two or something. I know I had a a, a Yarick the Desecrated uh, deck that would really like something like this, especially since it actually plays um, Primal Surge, which I think is a pretty big deal for all these cards uh, with. Um, channel on there and, and primal surge is a 10 mana sorcery eight green green it says exile the top card of your library if it's a permanent card you may put it on the battlefield and if you do repeat this process so a lot of people will build a complete deck around this card primal surge and include only permanents uh, other than primal surge in the deck and this is a way where you can include permanents that also give you ways to like you said bounce bring stuff back there's stuff to counter spells it's it's really, really cool, all of these channel spells. And I know we're going to talk about a few more channel spells later on. Yeah, I run a Nakia of the Old Ways deck, which is a Primal Surge deck. So mm-hmm. Nakia is a 5-5 five, five that says you can't cast on creatures, but um, also says when you tap a land for mana, you get to add one more mana that that land produces. So uh, you're almost doubling your mana. And so in that deck, you're playing a lot of creatures that have activated abilities, like an Ulvenwald tracker to have creatures fight each other. Manglehorn, when it enters the battlefield, you destroy target artifacts. So your spells are just abilities on creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Colossal Sky Turtle doesn't fit in the red-green deck. Sure. Um, but if you are playing a Primal Surge deck in, in blue-green, or even more than just blue-green, because there's plenty of decks that would want to play this, um, these channel cards are, uh, are a hit. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. So the Wandering Emperor... 
um, aka the Wanderer Revealed, uh, is is my first card of choice here for a deck that I have. Um, you might you might already be able to guess where this mono white planeswalker is going, um, but for well, is it Juru with eyes open? It, it is definitely Juru with eyes open. My only current planeswalker deck that that has white planeswalkers in it. So the Wandering Emperor has a really cool keyword on here that I haven't really seen on a planeswalker before. So for two white white, you get a legendary planeswalker with enters with three loyalty. And it has flash, so you can cast it at instant speed. But wait a minute. Why would you want to cast a Planeswalker at instant speed? Because you can't activate its abilities at instant speed. The next set of text, as long as the Wandering Emperor entered the battlefield this turn, you may activate her loyalty abilities anytime you could cast an instant. So now we have instant speed tricks with Planeswalkers. Um, We have three activatable abilities. We have a plus one to put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature. It gains first strike until end of turn. So really good combat trick there if uh, someone is uh, blocking something you could flash this out and use that ability a minus one to create a two two white samurai creature token with vigilance greats just have a blocker maybe you want to keep up one of your other planeswalkers that's being swung at and minus two to exile target tapped creature and you gain two life so just a removal spell for a creature that doesn't have vigilance that's coming at you um, in in my Dejiru uh, deck, um, Dejiru is a five mana legendary creature, human warrior four three uh, that has an enter the battlefield effect. When it enters the battlefield, you could search your library for a planeswalker card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Um, so this is going to be really good because I have some blink spells also inside of this deck. So at instant speed, I can actually blink Jiru, um, go search for Wandering Emperor, cast Wandering Emperor, and activate her abilities. So I could have no uh, one card in my hand, just the flicker spell or the blink spell, and, and be able to do all this in one turn. It's very, very cool you know interaction. I, you know what I also learned about the Emperor and I or the Wandering Emperor, and I guess I didn't realize from the Wanderer that we saw before. It's the only Planeswalker that doesn't have a Planeswalker type. So like a Tybalt Planeswalker mm-hmm. is Legendary Planeswalker Tybalt. The mm-hmm. Wanderer is just Legendary Planeswalker. I had no idea because until the, the I em- read some- the Emperor doesn't have a name in the Kamigawa lore, I believe. And I think that could be why. I remember reading a portion of the story, and I think that the the story, at least when the Wanderer was young, or that the Emperor was young, is that mm-hmm. they, they, were, they weren't allowed to share their name even right. with like their closest friends either so um it's wild maybe we'll see the emperor get a, a planeswalker type in the future but it's cool to have one that just doesn't have one yeah agreed. um the the uh card that i think i might be most excited about and i know it seems really silly is it's a land um actually I, all the lands in the set um are are pretty big hits in my mm-hmm. book um, oh yeah but beseju uh we knew was going to come back the previous iteration of beseju made it so that um instants and sorceries couldn't be countered if you tapped it and paid two life and you know um cast one but this beseju um is beseju who endures it's a legendary land again it comes in untapped taps for one green but also has channel for one and a green discard beseju who endures all or not endures all, just who endures, uh, destroy target artifact, enchantment, or non-basic land an opponent controls. That player may search their library for a land with a basic land type, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control, which um, that last sentence is is the case for all the new um, legendary lands that had uh, come in the set. This is um, really strong. Um, I, the, you know... 
having destroy target artifact enchantment or non-basic land uh as uh almost an uncounterable ability right so you you would need to counter an ability here you can't mm-hmm. actually counter spell this um makes it so that in, in i would say almost all instances i'm not going to make up some percentage because i don't know the percentage sure. but the number of times i play against a stifle effect is is when i'm playing stifle no one else does this right, like right. against me and i i will occasionally throw like stifle into like one deck just because sometimes it really matters even in a non-competitive format mm-hmm. a stifle effect is great or nimble ex- obstructionist it's pretty great. Oh, yeah. Um, just a flying creature I, that I, can. I, I love the spell disallow personally. Three mana disallow. Yeah. Great, mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the only thing that I I will say here is that um, I plan on playing this in every deck that I can. It's very good. Um, unfortunately, it kind of moves a little further into that homogenization territory, mm-hmm. though, mm-hmm. where decks start to become really similar, and there isn't much of a downside to playing this card other than you need green right um it's an all-star though deck in any deck that plays green um it's very expensive right now i'm i'm not sure where this will live um price wise um but seeing that it's uh, a card that is referencing a specific place on a specific plane it might not be the easiest card to reprint well that's um, true in the future um but right now it's it's looking like it's it's coming out the gate around around forty dollars um and that is not easy for me to pick up quite a few of them this would be a i hope i open one when i crack some packs for sure i I mean definitely i agree with you every green deck um that doesn't for some reason could care about only having basics or something needs to play this but i don't know if i'm spending forty dollars on this unless i have like a titania or a gitrog monster deck ones that can um, take even extra uh, advantage of a card going to your graveyard or something like that. So. Yeah, I've got Omnath Locus of Rage, which is a landfall oh, deck that can return and and all, you know. So, I mean, I have decks that certainly want it. Maybe not every green deck. Like my Nakia deck, solid for Nakia because sure. I can't have spells. So this, right. this works really well to destroy an artifact enchantment or non-basic land that's causing me issues. It works well in Omnath. Maybe it's not a card that absolutely has to go in like lana's cryptozoologist because that has blue and i can deal with some of these things with like bounce spells um there isn't much of a downside in my opinion other than the price tag um and hopefully it comes down for all of us yeah absolutely so Hitsugu Consumes Awe is going to be the first instance of one of these sagas that turns into a creatures that we mentioned before. And it's one that is going to fit particularly well in my Falthus and Jessica partners deck. And it even fits without having to remove my Obosh companion because it is odd CMC. So Hitsugu Consumes Awe is a mythic, um, but for three mana, for one, a black and a red, you get a saga which has the... Um, uh, first instance of destroy each non-land permanent with mana value one or less. So this is um, symmetrical. So it will also destroy your own stuff. Um, the second instance is exile all graveyards. Again, symmetrical. It is going to exile your graveyard as well. But really, uh, it's the flip side that we really care about. So once it reaches its third lore counter, we get to flip it into Vessel of the All-Consuming. Vessel of the All-Consuming is a 3-3 enchantment creature ogre shaman with trample. This is whenever Vessel of the All-Consuming deals damage, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Whenever Vessel of the 
spell-consuming deals damage to a player. If it is dealt 10 or more damage to that player this turn, they lose the game. Uh, so in combination with one of my partners, Jessica Thrice Reborn, who's a three-mana Planeswalker, two and a red, enters with the number of loyalty counters on it equal to the number of times you've cast a commander, uh, from the command zone, this game has this really cool uh, zero ability to choose target creature until your next turn. If that creature would deal combat damage to one of your opponents, it deals triple that damage to that player instead. So just by pumping Vessel of the All-Consuming by one uh, up to four power or having it swing one time and it itself pumping itself um, by dealing damage once, getting a plus one, plus one counter every turn after that, um, as long as I can make it unblockable, which I do have plenty of ways in that deck to make things unblockable, uh, swinging with a vessel triple its power uh, and be able to kill someone um i think this is also maybe a combo piece with like a chandra's ignition or something if you can get its power to 10 chandra's ignition to have it deal at least 10 damage to all of your opponents and then they would wow. all lose because it doesn't actually say combat damage jessica says combat vessel of the all-consuming does not so there may be some other ways that you could break this card uh, that i haven't thought of i i like seeing cards that have the alternate lose mm -hmm. uh, lose the game conditions and not alternate win cons we've started seeing this um over the last couple of sets like we had that enchantment that uh well um you know if you uh or the, the angel angel is an angel of finality one of the angels yeah. from the zendikar rising if it's dealt damage you have a certain amount of life over mm -hmm, it target mm -hmm. player loses the game so i think this is something that plays into something that people are not as upset with right, right. they don't just lose they can't interact with it um um in some cases in this in this instance it's just one person loses the game you know on the first side with with the uh the first uh chapter saying destroy each non-land permanent mana value one or less this feels very reminiscent to the card that i picked as my favorite card last year which was culling ritual from strixhaven um <clears throat> which has destroy each non-land permanent with mana value two or less and then you you get mana for cards that are destroyed um mm -hmm. or i guess each permanent that's destroyed that way i will say <clears throat> that when i when i play culling ritual in most instances the two the two mana value from what i'm remembering may not necessarily have mattered as as much as the one mana value hitting mm -hmm. a couple of early creatures soul rings and treasures yeah treasures at um, zero yeah so this is a really good way to keep people off of those those just small little rocks that um that provide value uh, i'm curious to see how this plays out with the with the actual destroy you know each non-land permanent mana value, value one or less mm -hmm. um and if it's going to be on par with culling ritual because uh that that card's back breaking yeah yeah no it'll be cool to see and i guess i do have uh a I mean, my being Obosh companion or whatever, I only have like two one mana permanents. I do depend on treasures a lot for my ramp in this deck. So we'll see. Um, maybe this one will end up being a Nambo for me more than it is a combo. Yeah. My next card that I like a lot is the reality chip. So this is a zero four legendary artifact creature equipment jellyfish for one and a blue. It says you may look at the top card of your library anytime as long as the reality chip is attached to a creature you may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library and then it has reconfigure for one and a blue so you can attach it to target creature you control or unattach it from a creature only at sorcery speed while attached this is not a creature so if this is attached to a creature you can play lands and spells from the top of your library yeah um one Legendary Artifact Creature Equipment Jellyfish is just a really cool <laughs> type line. Like, it's, it's really great. Two mana is super affordable. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think there are decks that I've been looking for. Um, I guess not decks I've been looking for. I've been looking for a way to get card advantage that didn't feel like I was taking out a, a spell just to put in a different spell or taking out a land to put in a different spell. Sure. For Noyandar Royal Shaper, which is actually not the deck that I'm going to talk about getting the most cards for this year, hmm. um, or at least from this set. But this attaching this to one of my enchanted lands and then allowing me to play additional lands and spells from the top of my library i think is going to hopefully be a push that that deck needs it's a really slow deck honestly um i'm looking at changing up the way that it's built because it right now um it hasn't been doing a ton other than just wiping boards and i'm not sure if that's how i want to play it this year so i'm looking at maybe making a complete overhaul but I think the reality chip belongs. I just think it's such a cool card. It is a very cool card. It's like the same mana value as a future sight, um, but minus one blue. And future sight allows you to look at the top card of your library and play cards from the top of your library. It has an extra ability to exile cards for three or four generic mana. Um, but I mean, having future this- Future sight's actually five mana and three blue. Oh, so yeah. So it's the yeah. So it's the same mana cost, but one more blue versus a generic uh, overall if you have a creature to- cast reality chip and then reconfigure reality chip onto that oh, creature. Oh, okay. And reconfigure. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. You're including the reconfigure. Yes. But that's a really good point in that the reality chip, just casting it, you can still see the top card of your library. You can still um, manipulate the top card of your library if you have fetch lands or tutors or anything else, even in evolving wilds. Um, it it kind of helps to see the top card right. of your library, even if you can't cast stuff from it. So I know I have a Vega the Watcher deck that does play Future Sight in there and maybe it would be better to actually use reality chip instead of future sight and Vega the watcher uh, is a two, two bird spirit for three, one white and a blue that cares about casting things um, from anywhere else other than your hand. So being able to cast from the top of your library is cool. Um, and yeah, I, I totally agree. Having a zero four blocker that you can see the top card of your library is really good by itself. And then equipping it for three in order to do ev uh, everything else. Uh, I do like Arden intrepid archeologist as ways for all of these um, equipment artifact creatures uh, to just equ equip things for free uh, with Arden's ability. At the beginning of combat, you may attach any number of auras and equipment you control to target permanent or player. Um, so if you're looking for ways to get around that reconfigure cost, I do recommend playing some Arden. Um, so Mono Black has always been pretty difficult to um, remove enchantments as in if you're playing mono black it's hard to remove enchantments that your opponents have and we keep getting a little bit here and there a little bit of uh, enchantment removal in the form of edict type effects so invoke despair uh, is a rare but is also the uh, promo that comes in the uh, bundles so if you're getting a bundle you're going to get an invoke despair in there as is you won't have to open in any packs invoke despair is a five mana sorcery for one black 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 target opponent sacrifices a creature if they can't they lose two life you draw a card then you repeat this process for an enchantment and a planeswalker so again mono black i have this on the list for a mono black enchantment removal um obviously it only really works if the opponent only has one enchantment because they get to choose which ones that they sacrifice um, but i like that the upside of this is i don't see a lot of planeswalkers um in 
in the games that I play. So yeah, often, I don't either. So oftentimes I'm I'm seeing this card as a an opponent's going to have to uh, sacrifice one of their enchantments and creatures, and I'm going to get to draw a card. So yeah. that's that's the way I look at this card. The five mana with four black pips in it is pretty steep. Maybe you're playing it in a Curric deck or something, and you only have to pay one mana and eight life for it. Um, <laughs> Hey, it's it's a thing. You can do That's it. A lot, <laughs> um, but you also saw debt to the kami at common actually here in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty um, doing a similar thing. If you're only really looking at the uh, enchantment exile, so for three mana, you get an instant for two and a black. This is choose one target opponent exiles a creature they control, or target opponent exiles an enchantment they control. So cool to see two two new cards in enchantment removal in mono black. Yeah, something that we don't see very often. Um, I have not been a mono black deck player for a long time. Um, like for the past year, maybe I would say we got we got what Vito. I had Vito, and then mm-hmm. I switched over to Jaren. Mm-hmm. Aside from my very first commander deck, which was before I really knew what I was doing. Um, you know. It's yeah. important. It's and important. back then, I'm happy you all got these cards. I'd say back then, if if someone dropped a rest in peace, you had zero options. Now you have, I think, five options. Yeah, yeah. Other than just taking them out of the game. Well, that's right? true. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about containment construct, a two-one artifact creature construct that costs two generic mana. It says whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn. This is. The most combo-y, uh, uncommon that has just got me very, very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, this works so well in decks that run wheel effects, so cards that have you discard and draw. So I, I have a um, the Locust God deck um, that that just constantly wants me to discard. The Locust God literally has a a draw and discard effect on it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know if you needed to. Um, you can discard a card uh, and draw one and then still play it. Um, Niambi, Esteemed Speaker, my awesome legendary deck, um, discards a legendary card to let me draw two cards so I can discard one, draw two, exile it from my graveyard, and then play it for turn if the stars align. I mean, this is its not going to take much. It costs two colorless. Right. It's an early drop that you can kind of sit out there if it gets removed it gets removed and at least that's what gets removed and it's not my neombi or whatever legendary creature i have true um this is really great and if you have a way to make a ton of mana you might be able to really get a lot going so i think this is a I think we're going to see quite a bit of this card. Yeah, you're going to see this comboing out. A I'm, lot. I'm, I, I think you might even see this in CEDH, honestly, Ooh. because there there are some cards that like um, uh, Shrieking Drake and stuff that bounce themselves. And if you have a discard outlet or something and then you can cast it from exile or whatever, I can see this comboing so, so, so easily on top of what you already said with wheel type decks um, where you're discarding your hand and, and basically just just doubling the size of your hand. With a, with a huge card pool, though, that, that we have, it's very easy, like as more mm-hmm. complex uh, cards come out that have lots of text on them. I think a lot of things that might not have been easy to break are just becoming easier to yeah, break. True. So like when, when a card comes out and everybody's like, look, we could do this with Dockside. I was like, you can do anything. With <laughs> like it doesn't feel original anymore. Sure. I'm not knocking Dockside. It's such a good card. Um, but I think just as it continues, you know, as the card pool continues mm-hmm. to grow and we mm-hmm. see cards like this, there's just going to be more and more consistent, like, I guess, 
combo-y place. That's that's what I'm thinking we might see. Yeah, yeah. I'm and and we're here for it for sure. A hundred percent. Speaking of combos, how about a combo involving some auras? Ooh. So there's a new mono white legendary creature named Light Paws, Emperor's Voice. Uh, for one and a white, you get a Fox Advisor 2-2. It says, whenever an aura enters the battlefield under your control, if you cast it, you may search your library for an aura card with mana value less than or equal to that aura and with a different name than each aura you control. Put that card onto the battlefield, attached to Light Paws Emperor's Voice, then shuffle. Um, so this one, I immediately looked at, uh, I know I used to have like a curses deck. And so I was kind of looking at, Hey, if I cast overwhelming splendor, I can go grab Eldrazi conscriptions and put it on my light paws right away. Um, and overwhelming splendor, making someone's all their creatures, uh, base power one, one with no abilities and Eldrazi conscription, uh, giving a creature plus 10 plus 10 and annihilator four. Um, so, you know, just something really, really strong. But at the same time, uh, if I looked at like my Arden and Kodama deck, which is all about putting land auras into play and then like switching them around using Arden's ability, uh, it does kind of, I, I don't have a ton of creature auras and it's still kind of unclear to me if Light Paws can actually grab a non-creature aura with its activatable or with its triggered ability. Um, I'm still asking that in some of our uh, our judge forums and stuff to, to try to get an answer there. Um, but at the same time, you know, casting a three mana land aura in order to, you know, double the land from one forest or something, I can still go get something like a Blanchwood armor, which gives plus one plus one for each forest I control uh, and stick that on light paws. If I need to use Arden to switch it back over to Arden or Kodama to make sure I can get in with some commander damage, I have that ability. Um, but I just think there's a, a ton of combo potential here. And even in mono white, um, you can have the combo potential uh, again with like an Eldrazi conscriptions or something like like that yeah you know when you see legendary creatures that cost two mana kind of you know gets my attention mm -hmm. um just i like having commanders that i can play multiple times throughout the game and not not be um completely out of mana for sure um not that i think all low mana um, commanders are better i just i think it's interesting when you've got a two mana creature you know hapatra's at two niambi's at two there's a lot of creatures that i've played that are at two mm-hmm um, I don't know why. I just want to play like light paws with like boggles type creatures, like oh, core yeah. spirit dancer, where it gets plus two plus two for each aura attached to it. Whenever you cast an aura, you draw a card. It just this feels really good. It feels like a deck that I'd want to build. Um, but then I feel like I would build it as a way that it needs to be commander damage and then sure. i always just feel really bad well i don't want to target I mean, somebody i mean you just you you did explain like some other creatures you can do and you can cast those auras on those other creatures and then you can you can make a rule in your head i am not casting an aura on light paws unless i can win with it or something and sure cast sure. your auras on your other creatures and light paws has to get all the free ones or something yeah yeah let's talk about the legend rule for a minute here okay we have okay. a new card that cares about the legend rule it's mm -hmm. been a minute, but we got to see that uh, the legend rule referenced back in Commander Legends on a Sakushima of a Thousand Faces. But mm -hmm. We are getting a new card. Um, it is an artifact that costs three mana that says the legend rule does not apply to permanents you control. It says each legendary creature you control gets plus one plus one and each non-token creature you control gets plus one plus one for each other creature you control with the same name as that creature. So that last text 
m- might not matter in Commander unless you're playing with a bunch of um, the Legend Rule doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. Now, we have four cards that say the Legend Rule doesn't apply. We had Mirror Gallery, which came out in um, Betrayers of Kamigawa. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a, it's just five mana. The Legend Rule doesn't apply. And then we, we also had... Brothers Yamazaki, which doesn't really work in Commander from Champions of Kamigawa. It's a, it's a creature that has Bushido, and it says if there are exactly two permanents named Brothers Yamazaki and play, the legend rule doesn't apply. I have played against a Brothers Yamazaki um, rule zero deck um, where there were two Brothers Yamazaki, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously Sakashima of a Thousand Faces, the blue human rogue from Commander Legends. Um, Mirror Gallery, it costs, or I'm sorry, mirror box costs three mana it's really great mm-hmm. and it works super well with my neambia steam speaker which is which is a legendary um a legendary creature deck legendary creature decks are just really popular in general we have kethis the hidden hand mm-hmm. we have we have we have just you know five color legendary creatures your human stack has a lot of just legendary creatures in it yes it does they're just, they're just very good mm-hmm. and i think um i certainly would like to get a copy of mirror box it's not super expensive um i don't i don't know if it will be right you certainly need to be playing a deck that cares about legends here for right. it to really matter but i'm playing only legendary creatures except i think maybe two so mirror box is a home run i would like this card in foil yeah absolutely i i have uh, an ikra shadiqui and sakashima of a thousand faces partners deck that literally only cares about making as many copies of legendary creatures as possible so this card fits in uh pretty well in there uh, it doesn't particularly win with combat damage it does win more with life gain than anything else um so i am glad that this uh pl- it is plus one plus one and not like plus one plus oh for each other creature you control with the same name so that when I have eight different copies of Ikru Shidiki, they, you know, their toughness also grows, which is important for gaining life. So yeah. excited to see uh, this kind of redundancy in the legendary rule stuff that I can stick in a deck. So we talked about uh, Beseju already, which was a channel legendary land. So um, that was green. So we might as well talk about the blue one too, because the blue one's pretty darn good. Uh, so Atal Otawara, uh, Soaring City, is the blue legendary land with channel. And uh, as we know, the channel costs on these legendary lands are reduced by one for each legendary creature you control. So this is three in a blue. This is discard Otawara Soaring City. Return target artifact, creature, enchantment, or planeswalker to its owner's hand. So just by itself, an activatable ability in order to bounce a permanent is really awesome. Uh, I personally really like the fact that this doesn't say uh, that an opponent controls so that you can do it to your own creatures um in in my clones deck and i just talked about ikra and sakashima but it sometimes it's really effective to be able to bounce your own clone back to your hand if there's something new or better uh to clone on the battlefield now so just having another bounce spell as a land i'm gonna stick it in every blue deck yeah this is another one that works really well in niambi again um the deck that i think is getting the most from this set um i'm running a lot of etb creatures in that deck so azor the Lawbringer, which when it enters opponents can't cast instants or sorceries during their next turn um it being legendary so i can discard it to niambi it is a home run mm-hmm. and the nice thing is that i do run pretty much only legendary creatures so i'm assuming in most cases otawara soaring city will likely only cost me 
maybe two mana sure um or potentially just one blue to activate and i do discard cards so if the channel doesn't matter for me at that point i can discard it because it's legendary and i do have ways to return permanence from my graveyard to the battlefield so i can mm -hmm. still reanimate it it's exactly what i needed for niambi uh home run um love an unsummoned channel <laughs> yeah now now speaking of niambi andy you keep talking about how many new cards niambi is getting from this set uh why don't we go ahead and talk about our two decks that are getting the most cards from this set yeah, so we usually talk about cards for Noyandar and Shirei, um, but since we're going to talk about the decks that we got the most out of, it's not Noyandar for me this time. It is Niambi Esteemed Speaker. So I am getting, uh, I believe it's eight cards. And, no, it's seven cards. Um, we already talked about some of them. So Otawara, um, the Reality Chip, Mirror Box, and con Containment Construct are really good cards that fit multiple decks, but specifically are going into Niambi. But I'm also getting the white legendary land with channel, Iganjo, Seat of the Empire. It, it taps for a white in its channel ability um, to, to discard it for two and a white. It deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. Costs one less for each legendary creature you control. Four damage is a lot. That's pretty solid. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. I'm um, adding the new Jingataxius Progress Tyrant. I might replace the old one because this one doesn't feel as backbreaking because the old one makes your opponent's uh max hand size zero right the new one's not great it says whenever you cast an artifact instant or sorcery you get to copy it and you can choose new targets for it and um, this ability triggers only once each turn but then it does say whenever an opponent casts an artifact instant or sorcery you counter that the first one each turn so it's pretty mean but it doesn't strip them of their hands so i'm thinking jingataxius could be a good card to add the other card that I really like is Tamishi Reality Architect. So it's a 2-3 Merfolk. Uh, I'm sorry, Moonfolk Wizard for two and a blue. It says whenever one or more non-creature permanents are returned to hand, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. Funny enough, Niambi does return creatures to my hand if I want. And mm -hmm. I can gain some life. So that they work together. But then it also has pay X and a white to return a land to my hand and I can return target artifact or enchantment with mana value X or less from my graveyard to the battlefield. So I am running legendary artifacts and legendary enchantments to discard so I can return a land to my hand and bring a legendary, uh, I guess, one artifact or enchantment from my graveyard to the battlefield. This is, I mean, this couldn't be any more perfect right. for Niambi. Um, I'm having an issue now where I'm going to have to make cuts of things that I might not want to. Mm -hmm. And I am really having to look at cards like Baron Talarian Archmage, which it's very niche mm -hmm. and might not do something at all times for cards that are more value oriented. Um, so I've got my work cut out for me, but these seven cards that I've got for this deck, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. How about you? You're you're you do have a lot for Shirei this set. Uh I yeah, so actually six new cards uh for Shirei, just just caring about the creatures in Shirei. Obviously, we have some really good mono black cards that we can add to any mono black deck. Um, but yeah, six brand new cards specifically for Shirei um that do some interesting stuff so uh, shirei cares about creatures with power one or less when they die at the end step as long as shirei's still out they come back to the battlefield 
Uh, the first one here is Dockside Chef for one black. You get a one, two. Uh, has activated ability of one and a black to sacrifice an artifact or creature to draw a card, which is really cool because it doesn't say sacrifice another artifact or creature, so it can sacrifice itself. Um, typically, I do like cards that have zero mana cost to the sacrifice ability, um, but this is card draw. This is really good, especially if you're trying to build like a budget uh, Shirai deck. I think this, this card's currently under 50 cents. I can't imagine it's going to go any higher. Um, and it says Dockside in it, so you can just keep talking about Dockside as much as you want. Um, but it's the <laughs> chef this time. Um, Iron Apprentice is a colorless creature card uh, for one generic mana. It's a zero zero, but it enters with a plus one plus one counter. And if it dies, if it had counters on it, you put those cards on a target creature you control. Every single one of these plus one plus one counters would go on Shirei just to try to make Shirei uh, harder and harder to kill. Uh, Virus Beetle is a mean Shirei card for one and a black. You get a one one artifact creature insect that when it enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card. There Ugh. is there there are two different builds of Shirei that I have. One of them is uh, Shimin Ray and one of them is just normal Shirei. This goes in Shimin Ray. Um, I think this puts the count up to like 12 different creatures that have one power or less that make your opponents either discard or exile cards from their hand. Um, so Shirei can be very, very mean uh, in instance like that. Uh, my actual favorite Shirei card that they printed here. Well, no, I'm going to call it my second favorite. My second favorite Shirei card is Searchlight Companion. Uh, this is a uh, colorless artifact creature drone for three generic mana. You get a 1-1 one, one with flying. This says when Searchlight Companion enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one colorless creature token so anything that can create extra creature tokens for you in a shirei deck are really good because you uh, make use of sacrifice outlets like ashnod's altar and phyrexian altar um, in order to cast giant torment of hailfire spells Ooh, and exsanguinate spells yes. <laughs> <laughs> um undercity scrounger was suggested to me and i just want to uh, talk about it for a second it's a three mana human rogue one four it does fit in the shirei uh topic uh but its ability to tap create a treasure token activate only if a creature died this turn uh is okay Okay. Uh, it's something that you definitely would consider for, for more of a budget Shirei build, um, only because you're only going to get to activate that ability one time, and really you want to focus on death triggers and enter the battlefield triggers with uh, Shirei. Um, so it, it, you can make use of it, but it's not as good as some of the other cards that you can do. It's less value than it is less. Value. You're, yes. you're, you're like driving slowly to Value Town. You haven't arrived at Value Town. Right. I'm And I'm going 100 miles an hour. In oh, too fast. I'm pull you town. over. <laughs> um, Takanuma Abandoned Mire is another one of those channel lands, but this one is the black one. Uh, so for three and a black, you get to discard it, mill three cards, and then return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. Mill is not typically a Shirei sub-strategy, but a lot of times you're going to have your... Um, your whole process interrupted cards are going to be stuck in your graveyard and this is going to be a really good way to get it out and it's on a land so you can play it as a land later on and be fine so now my favorite card i said the other one was my second favorite because <laughs> uh this is this is a brand new ruling that i actually learned about today and that's what makes it so cool um this is another one of those sagas that flips into a creature so the long reach of night is a four mana enchantment saga for three and a black that has chapter one and two each opponent sacrifices a creature unless they discard a card Card. Sorry, this is also a mean Shirei card, but at least it has the edict effect on there. So you maybe don't have to discard a card. Um, and then on chapter three, it transforms into Animus of Night's Reach which is an enchantment creature spirit zero four with menace. It says whenever animus of Knight's reach attacks, it gets plus X plus zero until end of turn where X is the number of creature cards in defending players graveyard. So in the rare instance, you're going up against someone that has a graveyard deck. You can use this as 
to try to just kill them if if they have enough creatures and and not enough life. Um, but really, the the benefit here is as it's zero power and you kill it while you have Shirei out. Um, Shirei does say you return the card, not the creature, to the battlefield. So it comes back as the Long Reach of Night and is going to then again oh, force all of your opponents so to sack cool. creatures or discard cards. So, so cool, awesome interactions. That's what we call tech that's right in the industry (laughs) (laughs) so now that we've looked at all the cards that we want to add to decks and the decks that have gotten the most out of this set we obviously have to talk about the commander decks that we want to build um i was very surprised that we did not get three wedge commanders we did get a few we got three but we did not get all five but one of them that stood out to me the most is tatsunari toad rider so this is a a sultai commander so that is uh blue black and green um it is a three three human ninja for two and a black it says whenever you cast an enchantment spell if you don't control a creature named um i'm just gonna it's a frog um, i'm not gonna attempt to pronounce this name incorrectly <laughs> it's a three three black and green frog creature token that has whenever you cast an enchantment spell each opponent loses one life and you gain one life and then it also has an activated ability for one and then hybrid green or blue which we haven't seen these three color commanders since like fate reforged which is really cool seeing a three color commander that has a hybrid activated ability or Mm -hmm. cost um it says tatsunari toad rider and target frog you control can't be blocked this turn except by creatures of flying or reach um i like this as a sultai enchantress deck so that is an uh an enchantment based uh strategy to uh have your opponents lose one life and gain one life when you cast enchantment spells cards like whip silk shimmering wings and mourning um there's like a whole there's a whole cycle you've got flickering ward and i forget is it crown of uh, something there's some crown of some sorts in red um, but essentially they're an enchantment aura that um, you can play on a, a creature and then they have an activated ability to return them to hands so like whip silk uh, one green to give a creature um, uh, reach essentially it can it can block a creature's head flying you can pay a green to return it to your hand shimmering wings enchants a creature gives it flying and you can pay a blue to return it to its hand and then there's a, a black version that's called Mourning. For one and a black, you can enchant a creature and give it minus two, minus O, oh, and then pay one black to return it to your hand. So you can play these cards back and forth. And as long as the legendary frog is out, your opponents lose a life and you gain a life. Um, so if you can find a way to make a lot of mana, you can just ping your opponents. Um, there's a card called Blood Funnel, which is really, really cool. Oh, yeah. It's an enchantment for one and a black that says non-creature spells you play cost two colorless less to play. And it says whenever you play a non-creature spell, you counter that spell unless you sacrifice a creature. So if you don't have the legendary creature, you you cast uh, an enchantment. You're going you're gonna to make your legendary creature and then you can sacrifice it to the blood funnel so your card is n- your spell is not countered so essentially your enchantments are going to cost two less um making a lot of enchantments a lot a lot more powerful you know imagine casting a guardian project for two. Oh, you know? oh like, my goodness there are so many things you can do with tatsunara toad rider and i think I think this is the Enchantress deck that I want. You know, we've talked at length about decks we tore apart, and I did not like my Bant Enchantress, which mm-hmm. was Estrid the Masked, and I did not want to build um, 
the 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 Voltron version um, that actually came in that deck as well. Tuvasa, I think I think I want to build this. And if I were to build a secondary deck, I really like Light Paws Emperor's Voice that we talked about earlier. I just feel like I would go with a Voltron strategy. So I haven't quite figured that one out, but I'm I'm working on a Tatsunari Toad Rider deck. What would you build? Well, I want to just real quick. I know you've had a, a Maldrotha deck from uh, from a box, boxing league. Boxing league. Have you had a different Saltai deck before? Or is this going to be your first built this Saltai? I think is my first Saltai. Oh, it's so exciting! I'm so I, excited for you. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that I've ever had one. If I if I look up the top Saltai commanders, um, I'm I'm not seeing any that I've ever played Maldrotha. Yarek, Zaxara. I've talked about Tasker. Oh, I guess I had Kadena. I had Kadena oh, Morph. Right. That's right. Um, and I had that for quite a while. Um, but I took it apart and just, you know, I, sometimes you just get bored with the deck. So mm-hmm. I guess it'll be my second official Soul Tie deck that isn't just from a boxing league. So, Beautiful. Um, yeah, cool stuff. Now, um, I am not doing anything unique with the deck that I'm building because <laughs> uh, I went straight into Mono Black. I, I was thinking about doing um, Mono Black, uh, the Dragon, Junji, the Midnight Sky, or or Mono Red, Atsushi, the Blazing Sky. But when I looked at them, they just became combo decks with sure. reanimation yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. which is cool and stuff and, and we'll talk about that next week when we talk about combos but um i wanted to get into just some like some value town so nashi moon sage's scion which from what i understand is is like tamio's uh apprentice or, okay okay adopted son um is is a three mana rat ninja for one black black that has a ninjutsu ability not commander ninjutsu which does make this a little tricky um, and ninjutsu for three and a black. So it actually costs one more, uh, but one less black plip, pip um, and has the ability whenever Nashi Moon Sage Scion deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of each player's library until end of turn. You may play one of those cards. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its mana value rather than paying its mana cost. Um, so this is going to be a mono black deck uh, actually without tutors. I, I did. I do have the deck list already. I did build it uh, yesterday. Um, so it has no tutors. So really the card draw and tutoring ability, I'm depending on uh, my opponents to have those in the decks in order to uh, come up with some combo pieces. So the win conditions nice. in this deck are combos because otherwise it wouldn't have a win condition and it might just dirtle for a long time. Um, there is going to be some things, you know, I'm going to be able to give evasiveness to Nashi to make sure that Nashi can get in for combat damage to activate the ability. So I might as well put in cards like hatred, five mana instant to pay any amount of life and give uh, a creature plus X plus zero until end of turn to, to pump Nashi all the way up to 21. Um, we're already going to be sacrificing life uh, with Nashi's ability to cast our opponent's spells. So we're going to put life gain uh, abilities in the deck as well. So that will also be able to offset uh, hatred and we'll put Bolas's Citadel. Um, one of my favorite mono black win conditions is Bolas's Citadel, Sensei's Divining Top, and Aetherflux Reservoir. Um, it's, it's, it's cool, but uh, you need all three pieces to make it work. Uh, and hopefully without um, being able to tutor for them, we can keep the power level of this deck a little bit lower. Um, yeah. But it's other than that, it's going to be uh, very Gaunti-like, like Gaunti Lord of Luxury that, that exiles... Um, yeah uh, four cards and you get to pick one but only from one player so this one hopefully will be something similar and something just kind of fun to play in mono black yeah yeah well that is um that is what we're going to be playing from this set um 
we're interested to hear from you if you are going to play any of these cards let us know and if there's anything we missed or uh commander say you're interested in please email us or tweet at us we would love to hear from you and that is it for this week um next week we'll be back talking about combos from cards in kamigawa neon dynasty um if you want to find us online you can find me on twitter at andy flory and you can find me on twitter at worm coil engine of course we want to give a special thanks to ryan nichols our producer and editor thank you for everything that you do we really appreciate it and chris wolf who handled all of our graphic design thank you for everything that you do and we really appreciate it and to all of you listeners we will chat with you next week bye bye bye